I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro, and there's a host of things for us to talk about. So, where have you been, Lieutenant Joe? Well, last week, when I came to you live from parts unknown, actually, I was in upstate New York conducting a threat assessment. It was a great uh, great time out there. The school district was, was really wonderful. I was actually there in 2018, and they brought me back. They said, hey, come on back. It's been five years. We've been through the pandemic. Uh, we have a lot of new people. We have some new construction going on. We have all kinds of things happening. We'd like you to come back and take a look and see if we have updated enough compared to what you told us in 2018, and also to see if there's more things we can do. So that was a great experience. But, you know, uh, being away from home, it's funny. It's great to be away, but it's better to be home. So I was telling Miss Kathy the other day, my beautiful and lovely bride, of 39 and three-quarter years, uh, that it is true. It is nice. Like uh, going to upstate New York, it's beautiful. I don't mind the ride. There's no traffic. The mountains are beautiful. The, the, the hills and the valleys and the farmland is absolutely gorgeous. Listen to some nice music and you just relax. You know, I turn on some jazz and I look at the, the world go by. It gives me a chance to think. It gives me a chance to think without having to answer phone calls, having to do emails, all the kind of things that are in our modern lives we are just inundated with. So I did have a good time up there, but it's, there's nothing nothing quite as nice as coming home. So I was there for six days, seven days, and sometimes uh, Kathleen will come with me because I've trained her to be my assistant. You know, she takes notes for me. She keeps track of paperwork. Uh, she puts things on the computer in the files for me so that I can do the work of assessing safety and security and looking through people's equipment and their policies and procedures and all that. So it's good when she goes with me, then it's kind of like we usually extend it a couple days, either before or after. Like we went to California in January and we extended it four days after the work was done. And we got to spend some time in wine country and it, it, it was nice. It was gave us a little breathing room, a little vacation time. But we work every single night. We try and get the report done uh, in a reasonable amount of time so that it's all set. So that's kind of what's going on. So today, in along those lines of school safety and security, I've been privileged to be a consultant on lots of different projects. And recently, uh, there's a company out there that I'm associated with, uh, the Advanced Convergence Group, and they have a, a company called IP Video. I like in India, P like in Paul, video, IP Video. And they make a, a whole host of electronic devices for safety and security, not just for schools, but for the whole world. And one of the first ones I watched them make was a thing called Halo. Uh, and the Halo started out as a vaping detector, right, of all things, because vaping is out of control, probably out of control in your kid's school. Vaping is out of control, and now they have THC in there, they have uh, opium, you name it, any kind of drug you want, you can put in a vape pen now. So this, this company created this vape detector, and it it worked really well. It, it sends text messages and emails to whoever you program it to uh, so that when someone's vaping, it gets it gets the detection and then, boom, boom, hey, vaping in room 305, whatever. Um, 
So what's good about it is that they've now increased what this thing does. Now it does gunshot detection. It does uh, air quality, right? It does air quality stuff. So if the air quality starts to go bad, it can send emails and let you know, hey, you need oxygen in here. You need, uh, you need, you know, close, close the windows, open the windows, whatever. It can be very helpful for the teacher. Because you ever, you ever work, whether you're working or in school, and in the afternoon, everybody starts to get a little tired and say, oh, everybody needs a nap. We must be tired. No, usually what happens by the, by the mid, mid part of the day is that there's so much uh, CO2 in the air from people breathing that, number one, it's not healthy because once it gets past, I think, a 1,000 parts per million or something, you're actually breathing other people's air, which could be germs, you know, spread of COVID and all this other stuff. Uh, but there's also, uh, you know, there's, there's particles and particulates in the air that aren't good, and this thing picks that up. So it does gunshot detection. It does halo. It does the uh, vaping. It does uh, volatile chemicals. It also has, like... Um, an aggression sensor in this thing. So what an aggression sensor is, because it has AI in it, it knows, you know, your, bu- your building is, uh, is, is loud and busy from 7 to 7.30, uh, and then it gets quiet until 9. Well, if there's noise between 7.30 and 9, it sends an alert to somebody. Hey, something's going on. Um, <clears throat> um, you should go check the hallway or check the bathroom or check whatever it is. So it's really good. It can be connected to cameras because, you know, privacy areas, uh, locker rooms, um, bathrooms and stuff you can't have cameras in there but you can put a camera outside the door and when vaping is detected or aggression is detected or whatever it could turn on a camera and now it starts to record who comes out of the bathroom or the locker room or wherever you have a privacy concern so that was good i got to be a part of that because i I teach uh, schools and individuals about not vaping vaping is dangerous it's not it's not healthier than cigarettes it has its own problems uh, and it's pretty bad so I wrote a book. If you're interested in vaping, if vaping is a problem for you personally, or if it's a concern for your children or for your school or whatever, I wrote a book with a, a doctor um, friend of mine who works in an emergency room, and he sees people that come in with vaping-related illnesses, uh, vaping-related injuries, because you know those things blow up, the batteries blow up, they start fires. People have been killed when the vape pen, you know, they're hitting on the vape pen, and it explodes and, and cuts their throat with a piece of metal. Uh, so Dr. Christopher Bader is a friend of mine, and him and I wrote this book together. It's called The Dangers, Health Risks, and Consequences of Vaping. Uh, it's very inexpensive. I think it's $11.99. It's on Amazon. You know, you just go to Amazon, look up uh, Dangers, Health Risks, and Consequences of Vaping by Joe Pangaro, and you will see the book, and you can get it and read it, and you can help your kids understand the dangers of vaping. Right, to understand why it's not good. And maybe for you, if you're having a problem, uh, you might want to understand what's really, what's really going on with vaping. Right? So that's, that, that's the, the things that I've been involved with. Well, this Century ERS system, Emergency Response System, is something that uh, is brand new technology. Uh, it's in the security space, but it's made, for, it's made for any location. And what I like about it is that it's fast. And, and any of you who have paid attention to me over the years, you know, I talk about in an emergency situation, time equals life, right? We have to be able to move quickly when we see danger, whether it's workplace violence, active shooter, uh, a hurricane coming, you know, and all of a sudden there's the storm and the black clouds and the thunder and the lightning and the green sky and all that stuff from uh, tornadoes and hurricanes. When you see these things, you got to move quickly. Time equals life, right? So the Century ERS is also from IP Video Corporation. And I was really happy because the, the, the team, the 
uh, engineering team that are working on it, they came up with um, lots of different things that this thing could do and how could it be used in a building and who would use it. And they came to me and they said, hey, Lieutenant Joe, you do this kind of stuff. Take a look at what we're doing and maybe give us some guidance on what it should do. So here's what it is. Here's what the Century ERS piece of equipment is. It's, it's installed in a classroom or a hallway or in a, in a business office or wherever you need emergency communications and you may not have it. Your Wi-Fi might not work right. Uh, your cell service might be bad. And if you're counting on those things, that's, you know, that's problematic. So this little, this, it's a little box. You got to picture this box. It's a blue box. It's attached to the wall. And in the middle of it is a cell phone. Now the cell phone doesn't make phone calls, you know, to, you know, you can't call your best friend and talk about, you know, fishing on it. The cell phone is built into the device so that when you activate it, right, you push a button to activate. Say you need to lock down, lock down your workplace because somebody's shooting, you hear gunshots. Um, you push a button on it that says lockdown. The phone pops out into your hand and automatically dials security and the police. Not only that, there's two cameras. Uh, there's a camera on the box mounted to the wall that starts recording, and then there's a camera on the phone that starts recording. Now, you can't get any digital video off of these devices unless you push the button. So that, there's your privacy. So if it's in a classroom, teachers worried about getting you know videoed while they're working. Nobody's videoing them. Uh, when you push the button, that's when you decide to activate the recording and the, uh, and the video. So it's not on all the time. Right. So what happens is thing you push the button and this phone pops out and it's into your hand. Now if you have to run, you can run and you have the phone with you. So what it does is it actually it provides a video um, video evidence of what happened, what did you see? It, the police can see it. it automatically comes on in the police dispatch center. Um, it's hooked up to uh, some software from a company called 911 Inform, which does mapping of facilities and it can show the dispatcher exactly where the 911 call came from and that dispatcher then has a map of the entire facility they can unlock doors for the police they can lock doors to prevent people from moving through the building really amazing and they came to me and said look we have it pre-programmed for seven things what do you think lieutenant joe and i said well first of all that's way too many things it should only be programmed to do you know four things at the very most you know here's four things you are active shooter lockdown health emergency or uh, some other kind of an emergency. So they did, they changed the software so that it matched what my expertise told them would be important in a facility. And I'm really, really happy about that because, um, you know, at this point in life, you get to do a couple things. I get to talk to all of you, uh, which is really a privilege uh, and an honor for me. And I get to help keep people safe. So that's what I do. So go get my book, um, The uh, Dangers, Health Risks, and Consequences of Vaping. It's on Amazon under Joe Pangaro, and you can go get it and save somebody from, from vaping and ruining their lives. And so I, I just, because of, of all the conversation that came up um, over the school safety and security recently, it's the end of the school year in many places, and people are hoping to get through the year without a problem. I know there was a graduation, a high school graduation yesterday. I, and I'm going to forgive me. I think it was Indiana, and all of a sudden, gun gunfight breaks out at this high school graduation. Two people got killed. Uh, an 18-year-old who just graduated. He's graduating at the event and he gets killed. And a 36-year-old man got killed and a bunch of other people were injured. So these things happen. I just wanted to talk about um, talk about the couple of projects that I've been lucky enough to be a part of. All right. So right now, 
we see our presidential election heating up for 2024, 2024, even though it's only 2023. And it really, doesn't it seem to you um, like it's Trump versus the world? And I mean that literally. It's Trump versus the world. And you have to ask yourself, why would everybody be against this guy? Right? Why would the rhino Republicans be against this guy? Why would the Democrats and the progressive be against this guy? Why would the deep state people be against this guy? Why would the FBI be against this guy? The news work, the everybody. Why would everybody be against this guy? Right? He doesn't have allies in, in his own party, though he led them to victory. And it could have made, could have made a 20-year run if the Republicans had not, um, not lost their backbone and had just, just done the right thing and helped the guy instead of going, going against him every minute? Well, the answer is simple. The reason all these people are against him is because he is against all of them. He's against the deep state. He's against uh, the, this political class that wants to rule over all of us and not rule uh, as they were supposed to. You know, we the people are in charge and they do our bidding. It's really the other way around, isn't it? So it does seem like it's Trump against the world. Now, there's been a lot of talk about all the Republicans getting into the race, and I think that's fine. Anybody that wants to make a run to be the president uh, should make a run. I think that's uh, that's only fair. You know, you can't say, no, limit it to one person. Get everybody out there. Let's hear your ideas. And if you can convince us that your ideas, your temperament, your abilities, your skills, and all of that would make you a good president, then then we should have a chance to vote for you. And that's the same for our Democrat friends. Although you see, they're not going to have any debates. Joe Biden's not going to debate anybody. Now, right now, there's only two other people uh, that say they're running on the uh, Democrat side. There's... Um, RFK, Robert Kennedy, right? And then there's there's a woman, and you know I can't remember her name, but she's running also. I think she's from from academia, and she's running. But the, the Biden, we're not. No, the Democrat Party says no. There's going to be no debates. There's no debates with Joe Biden. Why would there not be debates? Why would you limit um, people's opportunity to vote for somebody? Maybe one of these Democrats would be so great that everybody would vote for them. If we heard their ideas, maybe Republicans would vote for them, uh, Democrats, maybe everybody would vote for them. But they're going to silence them. Oh, nope, there's going to be no debate. Joe Biden will, will do no real events. Uh, they'll be staged when he does do them. And most of the time, there'll be some excuse why he can't go do them. Uh, but I, I find it interesting, all the Republicans. Let's talk about them for a minute, some of the people that are in there. Now, Mike Pence. I thought Mike Pence was a good man, and I, I still do. I think he's a good man. Uh, and in another time, in another place, he would probably be a good president. Uh, right now, his temperament is, and while he was, you know, the Trump-Pence administration, and he went along with the Trump things, and he gets credit for, for doing what he did and sticking by Trump the way he did. Because the Trump policies were excellent. They helped our country, they helped our people, they helped our economy, uh, everything. Um, and Mike Pence was there, so... You know, I think he does have the the ability to do the job. I don't know that he's the right guy this time around. We need we need somebody strong. So while he's there, that's good. Um, New Jersey, just a deep, deep blue state, no doubt about it. And it, it's surprising sometimes, you know, living here that the the middle of the state. Um, there's 21 counties in New Jersey, and Monmouth County, Ocean County maybe sometimes parts of Bergen County, are very, very Republican. I mean, they, they go Republican 
just about every single election, no matter whether it's a dog catcher or president. Uh, these parts of New Jersey are extremely uh, conservative. The rest of the state, the other, you know, 19, 18 counties, uh, are, tend to vote uh, very, very deep blue, very liberal. We vote, we vote to destroy our state constantly um, by voting in very, very liberal governors, legislatures, and New Jersey is one of these um, really progressive states. You know, we have the highest taxes in the country for many things, property taxes. We have lots and lots of problems here. We have uh, crime. But it's interesting. On the other side, just a quick lesson on New Jersey. I, I met somebody the other day and they said to me, hey, why do they call New Jersey the Garden State? Now, this person flew into Newark International Airport, drove down the turnpike uh, to get down to this area, and said, why do they call New Jersey the Garden State? I mean, it's, it's nice down here in Ocean County. He goes, but man, uh, flying up above, I don't see no gardens. I said, well, you don't understand. The, the urban industrial area of North Jersey, Newark, um, that part of Essex County, Jersey City, yeah, those are very urban. You have a lot of, uh, you know, you have oil refineries, you know, you drive down the turnpike, it's, it's, it looks like soprano land. But the rest of the state, the northern part of the state is beautiful mountains. The southern part of the state is beautiful farms. We have, we have wine country in New Jersey, and it's actually award-winning wine, believe it or not, wine from New Jersey. And Monmouth and Ocean County are, are you know, beautiful beaches and, and nice parks and everything. But anyway, getting back to Christie. When, when he ran, he was strong, and we were really feeling, uh, even all over New Jersey, was in a, in, a, in a slump. It was down. It was feeling miserable. And this guy came in, and he was, you know, was going to do the right thing. He was going to restore law and order. He used to be a prosecutor, and kind of along the Giuliani model. And he was going to come in, and he was going to be you know, this guy that was going to help our state. He was talking about... Uh, fixing the pensions because we have all have you know these pensions police firemen teachers uh, these big unions have these pensions that people survive on and he was going to fix all of them because they were going insolvent they were mismanaged um, a former New Jersey governor started a, a Republican governor at that Christy Todd Whitman uh, decided to tap into the New Jersey state police and fire pension uh, going to borrow some of the money and pay it back and never did uh, and here comes Chris Christie, and he was he was strong. He was a, like very Trump-like in his approach, uh, even before Trump. He was he was loud. He was powerful. Um, he spoke his mind. He spoke from from the gut, and it connected with a lot of people. And I know he got the support of law enforcement. He got the support of uh, just about everybody, and he won. He won as governor of the state of New Jersey. And he came in and he did start doing everything he said he was going to do. Very strong leader, uh, uh, didn't take no for an answer, had, had the right kind of things that you were looking for in a leader, someone who was going to go to work every single day and do the right thing, not go to work every day and be a politician, right? Well, then he started to go after the, the police uh, and teachers and all of these institutions that, that make life good, right? There's crime in New Jersey, so all of a sudden he's going after the cops. He's going to change uh, the pensions because he's going to make it solvent. And he, and he ended up hurting police. He ended up taking away um, uh, our ability to really uh, bargain, right, for, for our contracts. And people say, oh, you know, 
you should get only paid so much money. Well, it's just like any other business. Whatever you can negotiate, you should be able to get, right? And if there's a need for you uh, in your job and that makes the value of that job go up, well, then good for you. That's what it is. But he came in and limited um, through legislation that he had a lot of support for how much municipalities could go over their budget. So I think it was a 2% cap. You could only go 2% over what you did the year before, uh, and that means it limited the amount of money that you could pay to your employees in each municipality. And when the cops came up for uh, contracts, uh, it pretty much stifled us. And then he went after the pensions, took away the COLAs, a cost of living adjustment. And people said, oh, you shouldn't get that anyway. What the thing is, here's the problem. Um, he also then increased the health care that we had to pay into. And then he, he increased the amount we had to pay towards our pension. And people who don't have these benefits were were very happy to see this because the average person doesn't get these benefits. But the average person doesn't have to chase people with guns and knives down dark alleys either, right? So there, there's a payoff. There's a reason that you pay police uh, to, to get the best of the best, right, um, to go out and do these jobs. But the COLA, the cost of living adjustment, to this day, has not been restored. And... Uh, I know some people say, well, you don't, too bad, you don't get it. But this is something we bargained for in our contract. See, that's what people didn't understand. We bargained for this in our contract. We, we gave up certain things. We agreed to do certain things, to work certain hours, uh, to do whatever, so that when you retired, you knew that, okay, if the cost of living went up, your pension would go up accordingly, so therefore you wouldn't lose uh, any money. You wouldn't lose any value of what you put into the pension, right, because you have to put into the pension. Going from, I think when I first came on in the late 1980s, I had to put in 6% of my pay, of every single paycheck, 6% went into my pension. And you knew that when you retired, you know, okay, you would get a good pension, no doubt about it. But as time went by, that COLA would help you keep up on inflation and it would be worth, you know, worth the value of what you put in. Well, he got rid of that. And he, uh, he did it very abruptly. And it was kind of this attitude of, well, too bad. That's too bad. This is what I'm doing, right? And he, people felt betrayed by this guy. They felt betrayed by him. Um, then all of a sudden, all that bluster, that, that bombacity that he had was no longer attractive because he wasn't doing what he said he was going to do. He was using his position um, and it was hurting people, hurting the, the decent people who do the work in the state. And I don't mean just the cops, but everybody. And suddenly he wasn't, he wasn't so great. Then, of course, you know, he shut down the beaches. You're going to shut down the beaches. Um, but, of course, him and his family could go to the beach. And there was that famous picture uh, of him sitting on the beach with his family. And it's funny, it's been used as a meme uh, all over the place. Chris Christie... Uh, you know, sitting in that chair. He's been on balloons, airplanes. I mean, everywhere you go, there's a Chris Christie meme of this guy. So I, I, and now, what's his purpose of being in now? Why is he coming in here now? He's coming in here now because uh, he's going to be an attack dog of Trump. He's going to go after Trump. But I got to tell you, the feeling that, I, that I'm hearing from a lot of people is that we didn't like Christie anymore from the middle of his, of his second term. Nobody liked him anyway. Uh, he's kind of seen as a, a loudmouth and a buffoon. And he could say whatever he wants about Trump. Um, Trump was successful. Trump has been attacked. There's no denying that he's been attacked 
uh, by the left. He's been attacked by the media. He's been attacked by the Department of Justice. He's been attacked by the FBI. And that's why I started this ad. It's Trump versus the world. And now you have Chris Christie jumping in. And hey, you know what? I think what people have seen is that that only helps Donald Trump because he's got 52% support and then everyone else is going to split up that other 48% and he's going to end up uh, being the nominee, most likely. Um, so anyway, that's, that's what I'm, I'm talking about, Trump versus the world. All right. Let's change, let's change gears here for a minute. Um, if you watch these videos, one of the things that you see is there's a lot of videos out there of unruly airplane passengers. Now, what's, why is that such a phenomenon? Well, I fly a lot now. I, I never flew as much as I do now, and I fly a lot now. And there's you know long lines. You have to wait in these very long lines for TSA. You got to take your shoes off. You got to take your coats off. You got, and it's all for good reasons, right? Trying to keep us from getting blown up in the sky, like like happened, right? But so you kind of understand it. But the, the, you know, people are gruff. Hurry up, do this, do that. You got people in line that are stupid. You got people in line that are slow. They can't get their stuff off. They they keep asking questions. They have to go back through the machines, right? So it's all frustrating. You have to be there super early. Uh, then you go and you sit and you wait a couple hours for your airplane. And there's nothing to do. The seats aren't comfortable. You know, the food is ridiculously priced. You can't have a cocktail. You can't even have a soda. It's, it's just ridiculous. So people are, are really frustrated. Then you get on the airplane. And depending on where you're sitting, it could be, you know, it takes 20 minutes to get in. You're standing there in line. People are trying to put this stuff. It, the whole process is frustrating is what I'm saying. And now they get in there and there's no room you know, I heard somebody talking the other day about sitting in a uh, in the coach seats. You're sitting there and your knees are touching a seat in front of you. The guy in front of you pushes his chair back, which, you know, the chairs go back so that it's more comfortable. But it's on top of you, right? And then you, you're trying, you know, trying to sit there and, and you can't fit in and you got to sit next to somebody who's too big for the seat or you got to sit next to somebody who's annoying and keeps getting up and down or you got a little baby crying or somebody's got some, you know, a comfort uh, alligator sitting next to you and the thing's snapping at you, snapping at you while you're trying. It, it's all frustrating. But we're seeing these unruly people um, and, and they're getting thrown off the airplane, slowing the plane down. Uh, it's just, it's really, it's a crazy thing. Now, flying around should be simple. You carry your bag, you get on the airplane, and and you sit back and relax, and off you go to your destination. But it's uh, it's not that simple sometimes. People are uh, a pain in the neck, and we get these unruly passenger videos. Along that line, one of my one of my favorite things is aviation. One of my favorite things is aviation. I love the concept of flying. I love flying in planes. Matter of fact, my children got me a, um, where is it, there it is, a gift certificate for a, for a flight lesson. Um, so I'm going to go take some flight lessons as soon as, you know, as soon as I can find the time to, to get out there uh, because I love the idea of flying and, and I want to actually fly. I really want to fly an airplane. So they, uh, they were very nice to me and they got me a gift certificate to go take a, take a flight. We'll see if I like it, and then maybe sign up for lessons. I'm going to say we'll take a break at this point. Let's take a break, and uh, I'll be back in a minute. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. 
You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rex nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. All right, everybody. So <clears throat> talking about, um, you know, airlines and airline pilots, these are things, you know, I, I just saw, uh, I've been watching uh, too much social media, you know, now that uh, Twitter is, is back to the real world and uh, you can talk on there and make your commentary. I've been watching more and more. And people post these these videos, you know, having these phones with us that have these cameras. Suddenly you have uh, the ability to record history uh, instantaneously, things that are going on. Uh, we're seeing more and more of the reality of our society when we, when we see these videos. So let's talk about the new norm of our society for a minute. The new norm. What is the new norm? The new norm is there's no truth involved in anything. Um... Hypocrisy is the new norm. People are hypocritical about everything. They, they tell you one thing and do another. They live themselves. Um, government power is now out of control. I can tell you, I, I, for a while there, if you remember going back when, when the whole um, Trump collusion thing was going on and people knew that it was fake, but the media kept going at it, the government kept going at it, uh, our friends on the left kept going at it. There was all this talk about, well, there's another revolution coming. There's another revolution coming. And that, that led up, I think, finally to the um, the events of January 6th. I think that's what really, that frustration that people were feeling, that it, it's completely, everything is completely out of control. Uh, that's what that march on Washington was about, right? Isn't that historically what has happened in our country when people have had enough of whatever it is that's going on, uh, and they gather and they protest, right? And didn't people haven't people gone to Washington historically and protested um, 
about whatever it is that they've had enough of. And I think January 6th was another one of those events. Only instead of it being, you know, our friends on the left, uh, the liberal side of our country who's had enough of traditional America or some of the bad things that were going on, admittedly, uh, and they wanted change, um, this time it was the conservatives. It was conservative people marching in the street that they had enough. They felt the election was uh, ha- handled inappropriately, and you can think whatever you want about it. We know that there was some inappropriate things that went on, maybe not to the scale uh, that it felt like, but it certainly seemed like there was some inappropriate things going on, and it didn't feel right, and people were frustrated. They had enough of the media, the lies, uh, that at the point we, we didn't have the truth uh, about a lot of things, um, like we do now, now that we know about John Durham's report. Now, we talked about that how many times and how long it took four years to get that report for him to give us a, a very watered-down version of basically Trump didn't do anything and they all lied about him. Uh, that was the basis of the report. Even though it was watered down, he could have been much more clear. He could have solved a lot of the problems uh, that we're going through by being definitive in his report, but he didn't. That's, a, that's another story. But the reality is it, it goes right along with what I'm saying. The, the new norm is that truth, uh, truth is, is not that important. You say what you feel. You say what you want to say. You know, there's a, um, there's a, a saying in teaching. When you want to teach people something, you tell them what you're going to tell them. You tell them what you tell, told, tell them, you know, and then you tell them what you told them. So there's three parts. Next, we're going to talk about uh, how to spend, use coupons in a food store. Then you talk about how to use the coupons, and then you recap at the end by, here's what we talked about, it's using coupons in a food store, right? So that is really the, the, what they've taken on now is that they come up with a lie. They set the precedent for the lie. Here's, here's the, we're going to find out. Trump did this now. He peeled the labels off the of mattresses. We're getting anonymous reports that in the White House, he peeled all the labels off the mattresses and the pillows. Uh, and here's our, here's our reporter, John Jones. And then John Jones goes into this whole uh, story about peeling labels off of mattresses is a federal crime. And we have three people in the White House who say Trump maniacally went around and, and made people rip the labels off their pillows. <clears throat> And he tells this story gleefully uh, with anonymous sources and no pictures, no proof, just what, you know, high government officials said. And then at the end, he goes, well, this seems like a terrible day when the president of the United States will violate a federal. And that's the case. Now they make the case. They give you the information. They sum it up as though it's all true. And that's what happened with the Russia collusion, with all of this other nonsense against Trump. And it's because we have an era of no truth. There is no truth. There is a story. Uh, people come up with a line, and whatever it is, they're going to tell you, keep telling you, and tell you what they told you until people believe it. And we know historically, people will believe the big lie, right? They will believe the big lie. Uh, so we have, to, we have to figure out, you know, how do we go forward without any truth? Uh, and that's why there's no trust in the media, there's no trust in government, and people are, are very frustrated. Uh, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is running wild. It is absolutely running wild. Uh, people say one thing, do another. They lie to you and they get caught. And oh well, there's no consequences for it. And this government power. I saw something the other day. Now, at the argument of free speech, right? that's one of the bedrock principles of our freedom is free speech. And you know, anybody who's listened to me for a long time knows that I call it the, the hinge pin, uh, the linchpin of uh, our freedom is free speech. If we don't have that, 
If you can't say what you believe and what's on your mind, right, wrong, or indifferent, if you can't say it, uh, if the government can prevent you from saying it, uh, you've gone a long way to shutting down every other right, right? So how many times have we seen protests where our friends on the left are out protesting? They're shouting people down. They're carrying signs. They're spitting. They're making threats. They're burning things. Uh, they're disrupting people trying to speak uh, all the time. Don't we see that all the time? And what happens? The law enforcement shows up. Uh, National Guard might show up. Uh, they try and control everything. And unless someone gets violent... Um, they don't do anything to them. They allow that they let them shut down the, the event. So when it's a conservative event, like say um, people who are pro-life and they're having a demonstration and the, um, the abortion people show up and they're carrying their signs and they're wailing and screaming that they want to be able to kill their babies and leave them alone and you're horrible if you want to stop me from killing my baby and this all goes on and on and on and nothing happens to those people. Well, I'm watching a video the other day of it was a it was an LGBTQ uh, event. Okay, they have, they can have their event. This is how this is how I want to live my life, and I want to talk about it. Good for you. That's what free speech is. Everyone should be allowed to say what they want, and they apparently they had a permit to have this uh, gathering in the street, which is absolutely fine. That's that's how we do things, right? Right, wrong, or indifferent, whether you like somebody or not, they have free speech rights, and they did it the right way. They were having a rally. Good for them. Well, this guy shows up, two guys actually, and they're standing on the side of the road. They are not intimidating anybody at the event, uh, but they're carrying a couple signs that have religious uh, things on it. And the guy's standing there, and basically he says, you know, uh, God wouldn't want you to do this, to live like this, whatever. That was his point of view, right, wrong, or indifferent. Do I think he should have been out there harassing these people? Because no matter what, you know, when you protest somebody having an event, that's harassing. It, it is. Do you have a right to do it? Sure. Now, he was not threatening them. He was not lighting things on fire. He wasn't smashing police cars. He was holding up his sign, and every couple minutes he would shout, you know, God, right? Well, there's some police officers. I think it was Philadelphia. Some police officers, there a sergeant and two other officers, and they had said to this guy, listen, you know, leave them alone. Don't protest. Don't don't be, you know, saying anything. Let them have their day. That was the sergeant's position. Was he trying to keep a confrontation? Sure, he didn't want a confrontation. He says, listen to the guy. Just leave them alone. Let them have their day. Now, in general, I would agree with that kind of a statement. Leave people alone. If you don't like what they're out there doing, you don't have to be out there protesting unless they're, they're, they're you know, saying something that's going to affect you and your family. These people were just trying to have their their demo. Say, hey, we're happy about our life and, and leave us alone, right? Well, this guy says to the officer, well, you know, that's fine, I, but I'm allowed to stand here. This is free speech. I'm allowed to stand in the street and say what I want. I could say whatever I want. And the officer says, yeah, well, why don't you just leave them alone? Let them have their... And the guy says it again. God, he holds up a sign and the sergeant says, that's it. That's enough. And he goes over, grabs the guy, takes the sign away from him and handcuffs him and arrests him. Now, it seems like a simple thing. He was told by the officer to stop yelling and screaming, and he wasn't yelling and screaming. Believe me, if you watch this video, God, God loves you. You know, he was saying very simple things across the street while holding up a sign. Was not doing a lot of the things that we see at other protests, let's just say that. 
and this sergeant decides to arrest this guy. Now, I guess he's going to charge him with disorderly conduct, being disorderly in public by protesting, by holding up a sign, disturbing uh, the people in the event. Uh, he was doing nothing. He was doing nothing, and the sergeant handcuffs the guy, arrests him, and takes him away. I think we're going to see a big lawsuit here. Um, because first of all, that when I, the way I saw it, and I didn't see the entire clip, I didn't see 20 minutes before, I don't know if the guy did anything else, but all I know is the sergeant was talking with him, and he's, the sergeant's commentary was, leave them alone, let them have their day, and this guy says, I have a right to be here, I have a right to say what I want to say, and then he yelled out, God, one more time, and the sergeant said, that's it, that's enough, and he took him away. Now, the reason I, th I think it's a bad arrest and again, I wasn't there, so if more facts come out, I'm willing to, to look at that. This guy was doing nothing in comparison to what we've seen other groups do to protest. And they're normally protesting um, a conservative point of view. And they're lighting fires, they're throwing bricks, they're smashing things, they're spitting, throwing paint, um, physically intimidating people, right? And they don't get arrested. But this guy standing there saying one thing does. A lot like um, we see in England... Now, over in Britain, um, you can't protest at a, uh, you can't actively protest at an abortion clinic. Well, there was a woman standing there, not saying a word, and the officer said to her, what are you doing here? She says, I'm just praying. You're under arrest. She was praying in her own head, and they arrested her. So we're getting to the point where we're seeing around the world and in America and really in in places where we have bastions of freedom, right, our Western countries, uh, democracies and uh, places that are traditionally, you know, Western, and you have freedoms. We're seeing a growing trend in those places for government power to now uh, increase to the point that if you think the wrong things, we're going to arrest you. So I'm going to jump back to Trump versus the world. We saw absolute nonsense attacks against Trump, whether you liked him or not, lies made up by him, uh, made, lies made up about him. He was dragged in front of courts, and it's been proven now that all of these things that they said about him were fake. He didn't, he didn't collude with Russia. He didn't do any of that. And we have real collusion in the form of the Biden family to investigate, and we don't. We saw Hillary and her uh, activities uh, smashing her phones and, and getting rid of uh, emails and all of that, which is real obstruction. Uh, and that was not investigated. It was investigated, and it, it's no big deal. But anything about Trump, uh, we have court cases around the country going after this guy. It's obvious to anybody with eyes in their head and a brain that this is a concerted effort to remove him from the public domain, to shut him up and his point of view, and if you like his point of view, to shut you up and get rid of you. And all of this um, is really what is causing this consternation. So when I said, you know, Twitter, I've been on social media more uh, than I have in, in a while, and now that Twitter is back to kind of a normal kind of a thing where you can anybody can say what they want, and I'm watching some of these threads, and I'm starting to see a thing that keeps popping up, and it says, um, Civil War 2.0 is coming. Civil War 2.0 is coming. 
And I'm going to try and link all this together with, with January 6th. Um, and now I'm starting to see these things. It is People are really at the boiling point again because of this. And, and it's this going after Trump constantly, whether you like him or not. What people are seeing is the inherent unfairness of this and the government overreach to use government power openly. The Department of Justice, the FBI, all of the institutions that we all count on to be up and up, above board, do the right thing, support justice, the rule of law, all of these, these things that maintain our freedom from tyranny, freedom from uh, people who would do us harm, we see all of these things not just in the background being corrupted, but right out front, nobody cares. It is just as blatant as, as can be, and there's this feeling that you can't do anything about it. And that is what's starting to build in people. That is what you can see it. I see it on social media. I'm starting to see that Civil War 2.0, Civil War 2.0, uh, which is a modern version of saying, you know, we've had enough and it's time to do something. Now, will that turn into a hot activity? I don't know. Uh, January 6th, if it had anything, it had a, a very chilling effect uh, to realize that, you know, hey, even if, if you gather uh, and you're upset with the government, they, they might end up calling it an insurrection 2.0 and lock everybody up and put them all in jail. If you say the wrong thing, you could get arrested. Uh, now, whether it works out that you end up being charged, the fact is they just decide, just lock them up and we'll figure it out later, right? This is where we're kind of going and this is what people are really, really getting frustrated about. So that's the new norm. That's the new norm. So when we look at this further, this new norm, this corruption of everything in front of us, there is an FBI informant that we're told about that has information about President Joe Biden when he was a vice president, that apparently he took money to uh, push certain legislation that would help uh, the Chinese. And he got millions of dollars for this. The number one corruption, that is uh, traitor-like uh, behavior, should absolutely immediately be investigated when you have an informant uh, who brings forward this information. That's what this document is that uh, Comer is trying to get from uh, Christopher Wray, the head of the FBI. Hey, we heard from this informant um, that, number one, the FBI has been using this informant for multiple years, paying this person hundreds of thousands of dollars for their information, which would tell me that the informant is credible and reliable, the things that the courts require for us to use a, uh, an informant in anything. They have to be proven credible and reliable. And apparently the FBI has been using this person for a long time to get information and went to them and said, hey, I get information about Biden and here's what he's doing. Here's how he took money. And the FBI wrote up an investigative form. There's a number for it. It's a name for it where they take the information and that can be used to start an investigation. It can be used to begin um, a grand jury looking into things, whatever. It's the beginning of an investigation report. And they've had this for a while. And they sat on it. They did nothing. A lot like Hunter Biden's laptop. They had that laptop for several years and they knew that it was not fake, that it was Hunter Biden's laptop, that the information in there was true. But what did they do during the election? They went around telling people, listen, uh, if you get any stories about Hunter Biden and a laptop and Joe Biden, that's it's, it's going to be fake. So don't publish it. And what did we do? We saw 
social media and everybody else squashed that story from the New York Post that, about the, a laptop, right? And that was the government doing that. And they knew it was real. They knew it wasn't Russian disinformation. They had it, the proof. They knew it. They had it. They had a copy of it. They, they, or they got the, the laptop from the guy. So this leads us all to this, this um, feeling again, right? That's what I'm trying to get back to. So the FBI has this informant. Now, here is what I heard uh, that I, and I'm going to try and make a case out of this, that the FBI doesn't want to release the informant or their inf- or this information, this document, won't give it up, even though Congress has, uh, has demanded it, and they have every right to demand it. They don't want to give it up because they're afraid that the informant will be killed if they come forward with information on the Biden family and their criminal activities. And that's why they're trying to protect this informant that apparently by all all means, by all ways of looking at it, appears to be a credible informant and reliable since they've used him many, many times and paid him lots and lots of money. But think about that. The FBI is afraid he'll be killed if he comes forward. So let me ask this question. Why would they be afraid he would be killed? Who would kill this informant to keep him quiet? Well, obviously, the people that have, a, have an interest in keeping him quiet would be the ones who would be threatening him. And what does he have information about? The Biden family criminal enterprise. So why, are we, why is anybody sitting back right now and going, the FBI is afraid he'll be killed if this comes forward? Why would you be afraid of that? If the Bidens didn't do anything, if there was nothing to any of this, why would anybody have to be killed to keep them quiet? You would just listen to what they had to say and you'd easily disprove it. This, to me, as an investigator, was a shocking thing to hear, that the FBI is afraid the informant that they have and have documented and have information from, they are afraid that if if it's released and people know about it, this person's life will be in danger. Do you see how crazy that is? This goes to uh, conspiracy theory world. Right? Because if this guy ended up disappearing, suddenly we don't know where he is. He dies in a horrible train wreck or a car wreck or something. The conspiracy theory people would be out of their minds. Because you'd say, well, what happened? How did this car accident happen? How did this guy get run over by a bus and a train and they fell out of an airplane? Right? What, did th- what happened here? You would start to think that the fears that the FBI had that if he came forward he would be killed might have been true. How many times did people say things about the Clintons? If you went up against the Clintons, you ended up dead. And is it coincidence? Now, I know a lot of people in my life. You know a lot of people in your life. How many of those people end up killed, dead, out of like out of nowhere, commit suicide, killed in a car wreck, fall out of an airplane, get eaten by a tiger? How many of those people in your life do you know? Maybe one or two. All right, somebody commits suicide, a terrible thing. You say, and you didn't see it coming. Oh, that's terrible. Maybe somebody you know is killed in a car accident unexpectedly. A terrible, terrible thing. But what happens when there's 25 people in your life that are involved with you that end up dead like that? You start to say, wait a minute. You're either the most dangerous people in the world to be around just because of your, your aura, or there's something else going on here. Well, that's the same thing here. The FBI says they, if they release this information to the American people about Joe Biden's corruption report, not proof, it's a report. Um, if they release that, the person who brought that information to them could be killed. That is 
absolutely outrageous. Why would this guy be killed? Who would kill him? Would it be somebody inside the Biden family? Would it be somebody that works for them? Would it be a government agency wanting to silence this person? That, to me, is um, probably the most shocking thing I have ever heard. And for all of us, if we, if we don't think about that a little deeper uh, and what that really means, we're missing the point. We're missing the point. So I, I, I just, I, cu- I couldn't believe that. Um, unbelievable. I, I don't, I'm at a loss for words because I realize the, the reality of how deep that is. For them to come out and actually say that, and you'd have to say, why would the person be in any danger? If they didn't do anything, right? Reminds me of that movie um, with Tom Cruise. Uh, you can't handle the truth. Why would the uh, you know? I, f- I don't know if you've any seen it. Uh, a few good men, right? And uh, Jack Nicholson is the general, and he's testifying about this soldier who who knew some things, had information, right? <clears throat> they had to get him off the base. And one of the things, the reasons he had to get him off the base, is because he said his life was potentially in danger. And at the same time, uh, Jack Nicholson's character says, uh, you know, my people would never do anything that I didn't tell them to do. And Tom Cruise, you know, goes through that famous, you can't handle the truth. If there was in no danger, why did you have to get him off the base? Right. Same thing here. Why would the FBI be concerned that somebody would kill this man if people if he came forward and people knew who he was? Where there's smoke, there's fire. And that alone uh, should be something that we'd have to look at. Now, if we had, if we had the real world, if we had a legitimate world going on, just the amount of information we have right now about the potential criminal activities of the Biden family would be enough to start an investigation. When you add the laptop that gives you dates and times and uh, places of where money is. When you see all these shell companies, how many shell companies do you and your family have? Do you have uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine shell companies that don't do anything, that just shuffle money around? Do you have that? Just seeing these things alone is enough to say it gives the appearance of impropriety and we should take a look. We should look a little deeper. Not oh, there's not, Well, they said there's nothing there to it. There's nothing there to it. Let me tell you something. Somebody investigates you and they subpoena anything from you. You better bring these records with you, and you decide, well, I'll go through them, and I'll decide what's important or not, and I'll destroy the rest. You would be in jail so fast, your head wouldn't even be able to chance to spin. Now, well, that's Hillary Clinton I'm talking about. She was under subpoena, and she decided what was, uh, what was relevant or not, and destroyed the rest, right? You and I would be in prison instantaneously for that. Um, when it comes to these people, uh, well, this has been disproven. This is, these, are, these are the investigators saying, these things have been disproved. Well, where, where's your investigation? Can we see your investigation? Oh, no, you can't see the investigation because you never did one, but you're saying it's disproven. You see, do you see the new norm is a lack of truth. It is hypocrisy. It is government power gone wild. And this is dangerous to all of us. So, on that note, um, I'm looking over my list here, and there's a lot of things going on out there in the world of serial killers that I wanted to get into. Apparently, there might be a serial killer um, out by Portland. Six women have been found dead 
um, within 75 mile radius of the city. Now that could be a coincidence. It could be drug overdoses, but there's some words out there. Maybe it's a serial killer. So I was going to get into that today, but I'm going to save that for another episode when we talk a little bit more about homicide and uh, serial killers, because I, I find that a fascinating aspect of law enforcement. Uh, I've been involved in some cases where those things went on. I dealt with the FBI profilers and all that. Uh, and I think it's an interesting thing for us to talk about for another show, though. What? Let me just tease that, though, a little bit. When I was uh, in law enforcement actively and I came across a couple of these cases that had serial people involved... I took some training from the FBI, and they tell you that at any given time in the United States of America, there are about 50 active serial killers roaming the nation. 50 active serial killers. We don't always hear about them unless there's, uh, you know, multiple, you know, 300 people killed or they catch somebody in this and that. But there are people who are out there who just kill for pleasure, right? Psychosexual nuts and, and all that kind of stuff. So I figured I'd get into that on another episode a little bit. Uh, I have some experts that I'm going to reach out to, uh, and we can talk about that. Right? But in the meantime, our time here is coming to an end. And I want to tell you real quick, uh, you, you hear me? I got these sniffles. I, I got the sniffles because of all the smoke in the air from these unprecedented fires that are taking place in Canada, blanketing the United States with smoke. Uh, so I'm taking my healthy cell. Healthy Cell Immune Boost. I'm taking it every single day because I don't want to get sick and that stuff works. All right, so listen, Lieutenant Joe here. Everybody be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem, and we'll see you down the road.